On today's episode of the Wave Podcast, we have Jim Harbaugh is officially leaving the University of Michigan to be the next coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, teaming up with Justin Herbert. Out in the AFC West, Jim Harbaugh is making his return to the NFL. Josh and I kick off the show breaking down what this means for the University of Michigan and ultimately what this means for Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Also, in other Ravens news, the Ravens beat the Texans 34-10 in the divisional round, absolutely stomped the C.J. Stroud-led Texans, and punched their ticket to the AFC Championship. We're breaking down the huge second half from Lamar Jackson after he collectively ripped the team's ass at halftime. Mike McDonald is a madman. Todd Munkin made adjustments at halftime. Hallelujah. And the Ravens get their long-awaited first playoff win at home in the Lamar Jackson era. Speaking of which, the Ravens will play the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship, hosted in Baltimore for the first time since 1971. We're breaking it all down. We're looking at the headlines coming into this game. It's Lamar. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's Taylor Swift. We're breaking down everything heading into this game. Injury reports, matchups, you name it. We're doing a deep dive preview on this game. And ultimately, keys to victory on what the Ravens need to do in order to win this game. Mark Andrews is back. Marlon Humphrey's back. We should be at full strength ahead of this game on Sunday. Last order of business, as always, NFL Conference Championship round best bets. And we send you all into a great weekend. Without further ado, here we go. Episode 89. Welcome back to the Wave Podcast. Today is Thursday, January 25th, 2024. We're back. Vibes are high. We're here to celebrate a Ravens win, a Ravens playoff win. The haters said Lamar Jackson couldn't do it. He did it. We will talk about it all very shortly. Uh, once again, I'm joined by my boy, my brother, Josh Smith. Josh, how you doing, bro? I'm feeling great, man. This weekend was awesome, coming off a huge Ravens win, a uh, huge win that we're going to get into. So, uh, honestly, after that, everything else just seems like a piece of cake. Good week so far. Um, thank you for the birthday wishes, everyone who did reach out to me. Um, appreciate that from the intern. That was a nice little post. Uh, funny backstory about that post. That was at a wedding that I was at, I want to say, God, oh, my gosh, four years ago now. Uh, can't believe that. That was also the same day that uh, Derrick Henry ran all over us for the uh, divisional. Oh round no! Playoff. So I had a good chuckle when you post when uh, the intern posted that, and I was like, "Oh, they don't know the backstory that this photo was taken the last time we played in a divisional round." But I figured the vibe <laughs> oh, was going to be good. But I uh, yeah, I know a lot of people are nervous so much this game. I was kind of nervous a little bit. Uh, it was like we should win, but you know. Crazy thing happens in the playoffs, so good to get the win. We'll talk more about it, but I had a great weekend, great birthday. Thank you all for the birthday wishes. I really appreciate it. Good, good. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. Um, yeah, I, I'm i surprised that, you know, it's just a weird coincidence that, you know, that picture took place on the day of maybe the worst 
playoff loss in Ravens history. That that could have been a that could have been a really bad setup for just terrible vibes all the way around. But not it was um, funny. It was really <laughs> funny. It was I, I had a good chuckle at it. Good, good. I'm glad. Yeah, glad that wasn't the case. Uh, glad you had a good birthday. Glad the Ravens got a win on your birthday. Just made it that much sweeter. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, good. Uh, all good things. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, like I said, vibes are high coming into this week. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, which we'll get into here shortly. We will t- talk Ravens. We are going to recap the game against the Texans. We are going to preview this upcoming week against the Chiefs, of course. Um, but real quick, before we get into all of that, uh, we're recording this Wednesday night. Uh, somewhat recently, I want to say within the last maybe hour or two, um, there was a pretty big uh, bombshell of news that came through uh, from Adam Schefter. Not one that I think is surprising to a lot of people. Um, I was kind of expecting it just a matter of when it was going to come through. But Jim Harbaugh will officially be the next head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, leaving the University of Michigan. Um, like I said, I don't think this is a huge surprise to most, if any. Uh, the writing felt like it was kind of on the wall. Uh, Jim Harbaugh had that uh, that clip that came out from whatever event he was at maybe a week or two ago saying that he felt like there was a passing of the torch and then kind of walked it back a little bit after he realized what he said. Um, but anyway, reigning national champs, University of Michigan. Um, obviously, they have a ton of guys that are going to be entering the draft and, and, you know, just leaving this sort of old guard uh, from Harbaugh's tutelage. Um, but anyway, Josh, as our resident college football guy where do you think this leaves the university of michigan how do you think harbaugh leaving the wolverines is going to affect them next year over the next couple years and i mean they're 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 the reigning national champs and now they're they're you know they're losing their not just their head coach a guy who's really an institution um as a head coach so what what do you think give me your thoughts on the hire give me your thoughts on how it's going to affect michigan just let, let me know what you're thinking on it yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, me focus on the high real quick, and I go walk back to Michigan because I think that's a little bit more to have to say about that. Um, honestly, I just think it's a great hire for the Chargers. It brings some stability to an organization that hasn't really had a whole lot of stability recently, and honestly gives them like a, a true winner. Not to say Brandon Staley wasn't a winner, but we know that Jim Harbaugh, everywhere he goes, he tends to do well with a not with a uncertain situation. I would say. Um, it may take a little bit of time. I don't expect this to take much time at all, honestly. Um, the West just got a, a whole lot more interesting with um, a very capable and somewhat talented Chargers team getting a coach that can kind of like get the best out of his players, um, depending on, you know, the coordinator situation, how that and stuff like that goes. Um, but, I mean, it's honestly the best situation You're in a great location in L.A. You have a quarterback that's locked up for the future who's a, like a decent, who's a really good quarterback in his own right. You have a yeah. decent weapons in Austin Eckler and the running back whose name I can't remember. Um, the, you think no. Keenan Allen? Yeah, Keenan Allen, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Keenan Allen, the receiver, and Austin Eckler. So, um, yeah, they have a good team. I expect them to compete somewhat next year, if not make the playoffs. Um, I don't think they'll be a fun team to play. I think with the Chargers, you kind of have to just dissect the whole – It has to. you need a guy like Harbaugh to kind of change the DNA of that franchise and make them a little bit more tougher to play. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, congrats to Sandy and San Diego LA chargers for that, uh, that hire. And I think it will be a good fit for him and Herbert. Um, moving on to the mm-hmm. Michigan side of things, you, you would think a move like this would hurt the program, you know, with the, you know, great head coach, like who just won a national championship going to the NFL. But honestly, they've coached most of the season without Harbaugh at the helm for the most part on game day. Granted, he was mm-hmm. doing like, you know, off whatever off stuff like off day game day stuff but 
I mean, that's what, six games you coached without Harbaugh? You beat your two biggest rivals in Penn State and Ohio State, and you win, like, the national championship a couple weeks later with him at home just at two weeks of Apple control. Um, I think Michigan bounce back. I think they have their, they know who kind of they, they have idea who they may want. I'm pretty sure they know something like this is coming in for a while. Um, great fan base, great athletic staff up there. AD is a great guy. I know some people that work in the Michigan ticket office who are just amazing people. So um, I'll be rooting for them to get the best hire so they can continue to succeed just because I want my friends to do well, honestly. Um, yeah, I think they will. I think they got the guy. I can't think of his name, but the linebackers coach who did was an interim coach for Michigan on game day. Uh, Sharon Moore. Yeah, Sharon Moore. I think he'd be a great fit for them. I wouldn't be surprised if he does get those. If you were both interim tag and give him like a full time hire, um, mm-hmm. I think he can recruit and relate to players as well. Um, it'd be an interesting matchup to see him going up against Ryan Day in the future if Ryan Day does decide to stay at Ohio State. Um, so, yeah, uh, congrats to Coach Harbaugh. Um, University of Michigan got their ring, so they're good to go. I think they'll find the right guy. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens for sure. Yeah, and I completely agree with everything you said on the Chargers front and on the Michigan front. Uh, on the Michigan front, I think if if Sharon Moore is the guy, which I think just is a natural progression for them, just feels like that makes sense because, like you said, there were already a number of games that Harbaugh wasn't coaching on game day where Sharon Moore stepped in and he won, including you know the three games at the end of the season where it was Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. Sharon Moore won all three of those games. And obviously, like you said, you know Harbaugh was doing the work during the week, you know, installing the game plan and putting it all together, getting everybody ready for the game. Um, but, you know, obviously, as, as we know, right, as football fans, especially in, in college when there are so many other variables, game day is not necessarily always going to be that smooth process. So the fact that Sharon Moore against those three teams, which Maryland obviously being the, the lesser of the three, but certainly not a slouch, right? Um, you know, he he proved himself more than capable. So I personally think that it's just like a foregone conclusion at this point. Obviously, they have to do their due diligence and go through the whole process and, you know, whatever they may do. Um, but, yeah, I think if if Sharon Moore ultimately ends up being the guy, I think they're they're not going to skip a beat. Um, it's going to be tough replacing guys like Blake Corum and J.J. McCarthy and uh, the, the, the two corners, uh, Sandra Still, I think his name was, and then yeah. the other guy whose name is escaping me. Um, who are presumably going to be, you know, day one or day two picks in the NFL draft this year. Obviously, it's going to be tough replacing those guys. Um, but like you said, I think Sharon Moore is going to be a perfect fit, not only just for the coaching aspect, but also because he can relate to the players. It seems like they like him, right? Like they yeah. they were super pumped for him when he got those wins when he stepped in for Coach Harbaugh. So it, it doesn't feel like there's going to be any sort of lull as far as recruiting goes. Um, and, and ultimately, like, you know, we're talking about the reigning national champions, but also the university of Michigan, right? Like they are in themselves an institution with or without Jim Harbaugh. So it shouldn't be like they have an issue finding recruits or, you know, they, they have an issue getting the guys that they need to get, whether it's, you know, from high school or the transfer portal. So I think Michigan's going to be fine. Um, I, I certainly expect them to be maybe not in the national championship next year, but certainly in the mix, obviously we're yeah. going to 12 team playoff next year. So I, I would assume that they're going to make the playoffs for sure. Um, the, the, the rematch between him and Ryan Day for the, the Ohio State game next year will certainly be uh, heightened even more so just for this reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, super, super happy for Sharon Moore, hopefully getting the opportunity. Um, and then as far as the Chargers thing goes, um, I think it's a perfect fit, not only for the team, but also for Justin Herbert. I mean, I've been relatively outspoken about how I feel about Justin Herbert. I think he's an incredible talent. I think he's a really good quarterback. Um, I also think maybe the media misplaces a little bit 
of uh, their feelings in, towards him. Um, I feel like he's floated in an echelon of quarterbacks that I don't want to say he doesn't belong in, but maybe shouldn't be in just yet. You know, he's lumped in with the Herberts, or excuse me, the uh, the Mahomeses and the Burrows and the Allens and the Josh, or excuse me, Lamars and Jalen Hurt. Like, I just don't think he's there yet, simply no. because he hasn't won enough. You know, he's he's had decent success in the regular season, um, made it to the playoffs in, I believe, his second year in the NFL. But, I mean, we all remember what happened in that Jacksonville game. Yeah. So, I, I know he's not the the only person to blame for the result of that game, but, you know, regardless, if, if you have a 20-point lead in a playoff game at half, that's a game that you should win. Yeah. So, while yeah. I think he's really good and – is probably going to be extremely good in the NFL for a very long time. Um, he, I don't think he's proven it yet, but that's exactly why I think this is a really good hire. Right. You get a guy like Jim Harbaugh, who is obviously a former NFL quarterback and had success in the NFL. And like you said, Josh has proven that he can be a winner as a head coach everywhere he goes from university of San Diego to Stanford, to the San Francisco 49ers to Michigan, everywhere he's gone, he's won and he's had success. Um, I think he's going to be a great coach for them. Like you said, the AFC West is a whole lot more interesting now because the Raiders locked up Antonio Pierce as their head coach. Um, obviously the Broncos have Sean Payton and then Kansas city is sitting over there as the, you know, the, the Kings of that division. Um, so a lot of interesting stuff happening there, but I think Harbaugh was absolutely the right guy for the job. Um, the Ravens play in LA again next year. So worth noting, we're going to get another Harbaugh in the 2024 season. Um, but anyway, all that to say, congrats to Jim Harbaugh. I think it's a great hire. I think they got their guy. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes from here. Yeah, we will. Um, I thought I had one more thing to say about that whole Michigan uh, or San Diego thing. Oh, no, the Justin Herbert. It was Justin Herbert. Um, yeah, I don't understand how he got so easily roped into the echelon of like the top tier guys in the NFL. Again, this is not a knock on Justin Herbert. I think he's great. Like, yeah. I think he's a great talent. But I can't think of a, like a memorable game where I'm like, wow, Justin Herbert really played well and led his team to a victory. All the best games that I know that the Chargers like played in, like where Justin Herbert played extremely well, like they lost. Like, like he might be the reincarnate, like he might be the reincarnate Philip Rivers. And again, I know wins aren't a uh, necessarily a quarterback stat, but I don't get, I didn't, I didn't understand throwing him in the echelon. I need to understand throwing Trevor Lawrence in the echelon after. Yeah, a, honestly, I think, it's, I think it's just a mixture of, you know, the age and the athletic talent. And, you know, he was the sixth overall pick in the draft in a draft with, you know, Tua and Joe Burrow. So I think it was just a whole bunch of other things. But yeah, it, to me, it always felt like with Herbert that people were just so quick to anoint him. And like with Joe Burrow, I mean, you, you got it, right? Like he won the Heisman, best college football season in history. Like he came in and before he got hurt, he was playing decently well. And then a second year in the NFL, he goes to the Super Bowl. So like with Burrow, I think it made sense with Josh Allen, with Patrick Mahomes, obviously like those guys, it made sense for as many people in the media that were reluctant to put Lamar in that group. Like for, for people who know ball for lack of a better term, like that made sense. Um, yeah. For me, it was just, it, it always felt like we were a bit premature in putting Justin Herbert there, but I mean, they paid him. Like he is one of those guys, which yeah. again, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not knocking him. I think he has all the potential and all the capability of being one of those guys. I just, all I'm saying is he's yet to actually do it. 
So I think I think, I think Harbaugh is the right guy if you want yes. to get that out of him. That's all I'm yes. saying. No, I, I agree with you 100% there. And I think as we were talking about this, I kind of thought about it myself. I think it's because he looks more like the traditional quarterback that we're used to seeing that performs really well, like the, you know, the Drew Breeses or the Elways or the Mannings or the Brady's, where he does kind of sit back in that pocket and yeah. delivers an extremely accurate ball and doesn't let his athleticism take over sometimes. But I think maybe he could. But again, that's just my thing. And he's also like a gym rat and good in the weight room and like, mm-hmm. like a film rat. Like he's a football nerd, which is good. For his position, so I think all those things kind of play it back to it. It was just something I was thinking about as we were talking about that. But yeah, yeah. aggressive coach Harbaugh. Hopefully, you know things go up for the Chargers for their sake. So yeah, good move. And to put a to put a little bit of a Ravens twist on it, it's another head coaching hire that doesn't involve one of the Ravens personnel, which is a win for us. Yes, but as uh, just tweeted like twenty or thirty minutes ago, they are looking at our director of player personnel, whose name is. I did see right that. Now. I did see that, and I don't love it. Um, however, if we keep Mike Mack and Todd Munkin and Anthony Weaver, yeah, that one baby steps, one step at a time. I, yeah. I can live with that. Absolutely. Um, anyway, that's it on Jim Harbaugh. Uh, last thoughts on it for me: good hire, good guy, uh, the right guy, and hopefully he'll make Justin Herbert be the guy that everybody in the media says he is. Yep. Um, with that, we can finally move into our Ravens talk. The Ravens last week, as I started the program off with today, big win, playoff win, divisional round win at home, Lamar's first win at the bank in the playoffs, beating the Texans 34 to 10. Um, the first thing that I want to say about this has nothing to do with the football that was played on the field. Well, maybe a little bit. The bank showed up and showed the fuck out. The bank was crazy. It was unlike anything I've ever seen really since the playoff run in 2012. Like I, I think you were at the game, Josh. I was also at the the Colts game in that wild card round the year that we won the Super Bowl. Uh, I actually was not at that season. game. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you were for whatever reason. Anyway. No, dude. I, I was going to Ravens games a whole lot back then. Okay. So I was at that game and the environment was crazy. Obviously, as as many of our listeners who were there. No, and can probably imagine if not. Um, the, the the bank it, that day was unbelievable. Just watching in my basement and hearing it through the TV, that was the energy it felt like. And I heard from people that were there saying the bank was on fire. The bank was ridiculously loud. Everybody all the way from, you know, the sidelines to, you know, the, the, the nosebleeds all the way up in the 500s were rowdy as hell. And absolutely showed up and understood the assignment. And, you know, we talked about it on last week's episode. Everybody in the media was talking about it as well or around, you know, Baltimore fandom. That was one thing that we absolutely needed to have happen last week. The bank needed to show up. We needed to make it a home field advantage. And they did exactly that. So shout out to the bank. I mean, what did they have? Uh, five pre-snap penalties? Yeah, about five between, pre-snap penalties. Yeah. Between false starts or delay games. Like, I mean, just absolutely balled out from 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 a fan standpoint like i i can't say enough about it bank the bank absolutely did exactly what they needed to do um as far as the on the field stuff the defense was lights out defense absolutely stood on their heads and played one of their best games of the season i was i was certainly worried about the rust um and i think we saw a little bit on the on the offensive side of the ball yeah. which we can we'll talk about a little bit here but um the defense i don't think there was any rust man like they 
they looked lockstep, like not skipping a beat. So shout out to them. Um, Todd Munkin making adjustments at the second half like he did. Unbelievable. And certainly a breath of fresh air for Ravens fans uh, after the last couple seasons. Um, and then the, the last thing I have written down here under headlines is Lamar Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> eight is eight is eight. He's him. Um, yep. Another game where from a passing standpoint, obviously didn't light up the scoreboard, didn't light up the stat sheet. Um, obviously he had a hundred yards rushing, but four touchdowns, just efficiency was the name of the game for him this week. And people are still going to try and tear him down. That's just because that's what the media does. And they're going to say, you know, there are other quarterbacks that they trust over him and blah, blah, blah. But regardless, Lamar Jackson did exactly what he needed to do to win this game. And we walked out of there with a a 24 point up because of it. So before we get into it, like super in-depth here, Josh, give me your, give me your initial sort of knee jerk reaction from the game. Yeah, I'll go around the same like same way you went. So I'll do start off with the things not involving the actual game, but the crowd itself was electric. I felt it on my couch here in Virginia, dude. It was nuts. I haven't heard it that loud. I was kind of concerned with the crowd flowing in during the anthem because I saw a lot of purple seats. I'm like, man, like people aren't. Did people show up? I'm like, no, people showed up. I remember, no, people are still on the concourse and you know, getting their beers and hanging out, coming to the stadium. And I saw Ravens walk. People were just like funneling. It was like World War Z where people were just funneling in. <laughs> Just a mass of people come in, I'm like, oh no, they're they're there. They're just getting to their seats now, like just a little bit later than they expected. So it'll be good by the time kickoff starts. Thank God ESPN has like a delayed kickoff for everything mm-hmm. that they do. People got to their seats and that place was rocking. And I could tell by the first like defensive series that oh, they are like use the term locked in at nauseum last week, prepare for it again this week. But that defense was locked in. The first couple plays were just nothing nothing going for the Texans on offense. Like absolutely nothing. Like Darby broke up a play. Um, mm-hmm. the they were in like the def- interior defensive line was in on the run and just did not let him get anything going. So I was like, okay, they're they're ready. And then the banks got louder and louder. It's like a slowly build up crescendo, and they were just it was amazing. Defense played well. Crowd was amazing. Offense, a little bit of rust, a little bit of like, hey, maybe they just didn't expect it to blitz that much. But I thought they did decently well in the first quarter. Second half, I kind of got a little bit antsy, just like, all right, when, is, when are we gonna pop off? When is something gonna happen? And I remember, like, the words I said on the podcast last week, like, hey, there's going to be a time where things kind of look slow or bleak. Just, like, hang in there. We got this. This team's good. Trust the team to make the adjustments that they made all year. And second half comes out, they did. Um, I know we're going to get more in-depth in it. Uh, I just want to give a quick stat that the defense did and then showcase some of the offense did, especially with Mar. Mm-hmm. Uh, defense did not allow the Texans to take a snap inside their 25, like, inside the 25-yard zones. I saw that. And that was an insane stat to me, especially when you really factor in like the good field position they had on like the second or third drive yeah. of the game where they got three. The two pre-snap penalties did help out with them, you know, getting pushed back. But the defense did not allow a single snap inside the 25-yard line. They basically played like they played football from the 30s to the 30s. That is absolutely nuts to me that this defense is just that good against a playoff team. Crazy. With a very capable and a very good playoff like quarterback, like that's nuts. Like a team that just put up thirty against a really good Browns defense like a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. that's nuts to me. That shows just the elite level of this defense. Um, so shout out to defense. I know we're going to talk about you know different people who stood out later on. Um, and Lamar Jackson was like vintage, like a little bit of vintage Lamar Jackson where he put on the cape when he needed to, but also just efficient Lamar Jackson where he picked his spot and did well. 
there are a couple throws. I don't know how he fit in there. And just like crucial second or third down plays, receivers making plays. You know, they didn't really do anything outstanding. They still made the plays that were necessary. And also, Lamar made adjustments to throwing. We know the touchdown to Isaiah likely. Yeah. You saw, like, he made the adjustment to load it instead of, you know, try to just, yep, exactly. Put him <laughs> on his, just, hey, put him on his head. And that's exactly what he did. So I'll highlight Lamar's throwing, like, later on. We talked about that. I want to highlight his running. I think we mentioned yes. this before a couple weeks ago on the show that Lamar's kind of running different, where he's kind of running more straight up, kind of make, being aware of everything. No, this was old school Lamar, where he's running head down, full speed ahead, making people miss and just being smart. Like he lowered his shoulder, which gave me a heart attack once or twice. And he just wrecked some people. Like he got down when he needed to. He made people miss. It was like old school, like college early years, Lamar Jackson with like this new mentality. So this is what we're going to get the whole playoffs. Just like book your flight to Vegas and have a great time because this is the type of stuff that like you need to happen to win a Super Bowl. Lamar was outstanding. The defense was outstanding. The offense was outstanding. Coaching was great all around. Made adjustments. Just all around. Like A plus K, my most of our, just most of all three phases except special teams, which I know we'll get into later. So I'll let you yeah. hear the rest of the show for the, uh, how you want to talk about the rest of the game. Yeah, uh, 100%, man. The the point that you made on Lamar Jackson, let, let's start with Lamar. The point that you made on Lamar where it was like he showed us flashes of vintage Lamar, but also like blended that in to what we're used to seeing from like this year and really last year as well. Um, like Like I said at the top, he was... He didn't light up the score, uh, the stat, stat sheet from a passing perspective by any means. He was 16, yeah, 16 to 22, 152 yards passing and two touchdowns. Um, so like if you were to just kind of look at that, like some people in the media do, and analyze the game from that perspective, yeah, okay, he he threw the ball 22 times, only 152 yards and two touchdowns. Nelson Aguilar's touchdown was a three yard touchdown and likely his touchdown was something like a 20 something yard touchdown. So yeah, that doesn't jump off the page at you, but when you really watch the game, right? Like you hit the nail on the head. He was throwing the ball outside the numbers from the pocket, which people like you and me, we've known that he's had that ability. He, we know he's he's had, he's always had that strong arm. It's just, he's never really been put in positions to do that. He was throwing the ball outside the numbers, putting it on a rope. When he needed to, he got out of the pocket, made stuff happen like we're used to seeing him do. But also, like you said, the adjustments that he made, particularly in the second half, along with Todd Munkin's adjustments. He tries to fit the ball into likely down near the goal line, right? Almost gets picked off. Jalen Petrie made a pretty good play on it, uh, mm-hmm. drops the interception, likely says, hey, up top next time, go over top. And Lamar immediately, yeah, I got you. And then sure enough, in the second half, they run that rollout play, which I texted you the same thing. Shout out to Greg Roman because we ran that last year in New Orleans on that Thursday night or Monday night whenever we played and yep. likely scored on that play as well. Yep. Like Lamar intentionally throws a back shoulder. Nice little lob. Uh, Brian Baldinger was called and calling it the Pompano floater. Lamar floats one up back shoulder. Perfect spot. Likely goes up over top. Moss is Derek Stingley. Touchdown. It's just we're seeing the evolution of Lamar right in front of us. And it felt like this game was really him putting together everything that he needed to in order to get the win, you know? And I mean, obviously we've seen him have dominant performances as a passer, right? Like against the, against the dolphins, he threw for 300 yards. He's thrown for 300. He's thrown for 400 in his career. So we know that he could do it, but this one, it was more like a, Hey, you guys are going to send pressure. Sure. No problem. First half, they felt it out. And I, 
admittedly, I was nervous at half. I even texted you. I right. was like, this feels a lot like Pittsburgh from week five, right? Like defense is yep. keeping us in it, but they're on the field a bunch. They're going to get tired at some point. Like this isn't sustainable. And the Texans defense credit to D'Amico Ryan's. I don't know who their defensive coordinator is, but credit to that man as well, because they had a fantastic game plan. It's D'Amico Ryan. <laughs> it's D'Amico Ryan. He does. Right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> they had, they had an impeccable game plan for that first half blitzed the hell out of our offense and we really had no answer for it. Like they were sending yep. six, they were sending seven at some spots. And like, we just weren't calling plays to beat quick pressure. And, and it got to us, right? Like I think Lamar maybe was sacked two or three times on the day. It, it just, they were, their defense was dominant in the first half flat out. And yep. we were struggling to run the ball on top of that. So we were just, you know, outside for a couple drives. We really weren't able to move the ball. Then in the second half, right. They come back, they make the adjustments. And we end up putting up 24, but you know, Lamar on the couple plays where he got out and he scrambled, right? There was that one play that if you guys don't follow Brian Baldinger, by the way, on Twitter, he's an incredible follow, not just Ravens fans, but in general, he breaks down clips. Yeah. He, he, he's one of those guys that watches all the tape on every game and every yep. part team. Like he just knows everything. He's a great follow, but he was breaking down the one play that I believe Lamar scored on where he kind of drops back, looks out to the right like he's going to throw it, and then just tucks it and runs behind Linderbaum and Gus Edwards. He called it, a instead of an RPO, he called it a PRO, because the first mm -hmm. read's a pass. And Lamar reads the pass, sees that it's covered, sees that the coverage is not in a position for him to make the throw, so he tucks it and runs, and he ends up scoring. Like, that's the vintage Lamar that we really, to your point, haven't seen all year. And to take it one step further, like you said, he hasn't really been running at full speed. It feels like it feels like he's just kind of been gliding. There yeah. were multiple instances in this game where he turned the jets on and, and hit another gear. Yeah. Um, also, it was really fun to see on the fourth down where they called the bootleg behind Ronnie Stanley. Um, yep. He hit the he hit the dead leg on on the one dude. And like that was yeah. the fact that he's doing that in an NFL game, let alone a playoff game is just stupid. But yeah, anyway, incredible showing from Lamar. It just yeah, really, really good performance. It's like he's the most athletic kid in high school who could just do whatever he wanted and get away with it because he was mm -hmm. the most athletic kid in high school. And you think, OK, when he goes to college, like, yeah, he could probably still be an athlete. But can he still do that stuff? Yes, he can. Like, he's the best athlete in high school, college as well. All right, you get to the NFL. Everyone's fast. Everyone's athlete. He can't do that stuff. In the no, he, he actually can. Like. It is insane yeah. just the stuff that he's physically able to do, like, and just how he's just evolved in every sense of the word. Like, it's also crazy that his like seventy five percent jogging and just kind of like surveying the field while he's running. It's like a it's, four four. Yeah, yeah, it's actually <laughs> insane. Like him just goofing off on a football field and just kind of like lolly, not lolly gag, but just like kind of doing that little like waddle run uh, is faster than me at a dead on sprint, is which is like you know. <laughs> nuts but you know it's true and it's kind of weird his running motion ironically enough kind of reminds me how when Patrick Mahomes runs he never really runs like full-on down he just runs like trying to protect himself in a way it's really weird how like that kind of shifted and happened throughout his career but yeah great great job by Lamar great job by this defense great job by this offense making the adjustments another thing that I didn't want to say did counteract the blitz the right passing to the running back and having to catch the ball that yep. was huge Justice Hill had a like we said was a great football player and has placed in this team Continually proves that, like, hey, he's really good if you put him in the right situation, that he could contribute a lot to this football team. Like, I don't want to say we haven't missed a beat since Keaton Mitchell, like, left, but he's definitely eased the blow from losing Keaton Mitchell and J.K. Dobbins for sure. For sure, for sure.
Yeah, it's it's a great point. And uh, there have been a lot of people talking about Justice Hill this week, and rightfully so. Like, he's he's one of the guys that, like, really doesn't get his praises sung all that much. But, like, if there's any unsung hero of this team, it's Justice Hill. Because, you know, like you said, J.K. Dobbins, he goes down week one, right? Keaton Mitchell goes down week, whatever that was, 15 or 16 against the Jags. And Justice Hill has not only stepped up running the football, but in pass protection, catching the ball out of the backfield. Like he's just, he's one of those guys to where like, it's the epitome of what can I do to help the team? He's, yep. he's got an opportunity and he's just like, all right, you need me to, you need me to be in on pass pro. Got it. You need me to catch the ball out of the backfield. Got it. Oh, you need me to run the ball. Yeah. It turns out I could do that pretty well too. Yeah. So he's just, whatever we're throwing at him, he's taking on and he's doing it fairly well. So yeah, like if there was any unsung hero of the team over the, really the last couple of weeks, but on, on the, on the season as a whole, I think there's an argument to be made that it's justice Hill. Um, yeah. Speaking about, you know, the, the, the changes at halftime and the adjustments that, that were made, I mentioned to you, I was uh, first half was dicey and I was absolutely nervous. I was freaking out. I, I, I even tweeted, you know, we're in trouble. I was texting you. I was texting scoot. I was texting the group chat, like boys watch out. Um, and maybe that's just because I'm an erotic Ravens fan. Maybe it's because I have scar tissue from previous regimes. I don't know, but Going into the half, there was that shot of Lamar going down the, the going into the tunnel, right? It was like with, I don't know, 15 seconds left on the clock, and Houston was just getting ready to kneel it out. And you could see the pissed off in his face. And turns out there was a reason. He even he said he lit up the team's collective ass in that locker room at halftime. It was a, as he said, a lot of profanity. And it wouldn't be appropriate to repeat on the podium at at the end of the game. But that to me was like, again, something that we knew as Ravens fans and as Lamar guys, like we've known he's a leader. And this year, especially everybody's been talking about the difference in being vocal that he's taken. Um, but that was just him confirming it to everybody. Like, Hey, this is, this is my team. I'm the franchise quarterback and I'm also acting like the franchise quarterback. So for him to do that tells me that one, he is absolutely as locked in as he says he is. And two, the team is rallying behind him, which is exactly what you need at this point in the season. So that was awesome. And then coming out of the second half, like, you know, we've, we've mentioned his name already a few times, but Todd Munkin flipped the script on its head and said, Hey, you guys want to bring six, you guys want to bring seven. You want to pressure the hell out of our quarterback and send different schemes and, and, you know, disguise pressure, bring it from overloading on what, whatever the case is. Cool. We're going to beat it. And he made the adjustments. He was calling quick hitters to justice Hill out of the backfield. He was calling, you know, quick slants and flat routes. And he was, whether it was a concerted effort from Lamar or it was, you know, collaboration with Munkin, whatever it was, I distinctly remember at least like two or three times in the first drive of the second half, pressure would come off the corner and Lamar would read it and throw right to where the pressure was coming from, which is exactly yep. what a quarterback's supposed to do in that situation. It was just textbook. So again, likening to previous regimes, it's a breath of fresh air for Ravens fans to see stuff like that happen just because we're, we're just simply not used to it. Right. Um, and another adjustment that I saw them make coming out of the second half was uh, using more Pat Ricard and yes. Charlie Kohler. Yes. Feels like you and I have been saying this all year, but good things happen when Pat Ricard is on the field, right? He, he's an extra lineman that can also move in space. Yep. And we were having trouble blocking up, up the, the front line. You bring in Pat Ricard, that problem goes away. Um, also worth noting that 
the fourth and one that I mentioned where Lamar bootlegged. The only reason that play worked was because Pat Ricard was in motion going to the opposite side of the field and the entire defense, you can go back and you can watch the backside end. You can watch the linebackers. They see Ricard go in motion to the right side of the field. And as soon as the ball snapped, they chase after Pat Ricard because more often than not, we run behind him. Right. Right. So great scheme by Munkin, great decision-making, great adjustments. But anyway, the use of 12 and 22 personnel in the second half, especially was, was certainly uh, the cherry on top to the adjustments that were made because it, it had, it had a palpable difference in what we were able to do up front. We were able to run the ball significantly better in the second half. And like I said, we scored 24 points in the second half and that's a direct correlation to, to the changes that those guys made. So credit to them because that was huge. It was, it was amazing. Um, Outside of the offense, spent some time talking about them. I wanted to talk about the defense. Let's do it. Mike, Mike McDonald is an insane person. Mike McDonald is unbelievable. Um, the, the stat that you brought up a little bit earlier, I, I'm, I'm going to bring that up again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to echo that. The Texans did not run a single play inside the Ravens' 25-yard line. I read that, and I was just like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then I reread it and thought about it, and I was like, hold on, that's kind of insane. Like, you said it, very capable offense, incredibly capable quarterback, as we've seen. Yeah, I think they came into this game as like the fifth or fourth, maybe highest passing offense in the NFL. I think so. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It's certainly top 10. I know that for a fact. Um, and CJ, we held CJ Stroud to 175 yards passing like that's. And on top of that, their only touchdown came on special teams. We, I know it was week one and I know it was CJ Stroud's first start in the NFL, but we held the Texans offense to zero offensive touchdowns twice. Like that can't be overstated. That's just crazy. Not even in garbage time. Did they get a touchdown? Right, like just insane, absolutely insane. And, and I know we've we've talked about Mike Mack a bunch this year. We've talked about Roquan Smith. We've talked about Kyle Hamilton, Justin Matabike. We've talked about all these guys, and rightfully so. Like they have just all of them have had incredible years. But that stat alone really feels like the epitome to me of what this defense has done all season. They've been swarming, like relentless. Kyle uh, Van Noy was even talking about it on the Pat McAfee show a little bit on Monday. He was like, we take it personally. Like we want to be not just like physical and, and, you know, hard nosed. Like we, we go out there with the intention of being violent. Like we want it to be a hard night or a hard afternoon. Whenever we play somebody, we don't want them thinking like, oh yeah, we, we want to play the Baltimore Ravens again. Like that's, that's just the mentality that they take personally in that defense. And I, me personally, I think it starts with two guys, Roquan Smith and Mike McDonald. They set yep. the tone. And it spreads to the rest of the defense. Um, I mentioned that CJ Stroud had 175 yards passing. I think that's even more impressive when you look at the fact that we didn't have a single sack or turnover. Yep. It's just that's how smothering the defense was. Yep. Um, and then going back to Houston's offense, they were 13th in the NFL in points per game, and we held them to zero points. Yep. Excuse me, three points. Well, hmm. so yeah. Yeah. Crazy man, just the defense was unbelievable. Can't it can't they overstate got those, that. And they got those three points off a short field after I can't remember mm-hmm. if it was a failed fourth down correction or something happened, but uh, because we didn't have any turnovers either. I think it was a I think it was a long kick return. Okay, 
It was. It was. That's exactly what it was. Okay, because I remember special teams had two two messed ups. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. So yeah, um, that's impressive. Um, you held a quarterback who's probably going to be rookie of the year to no no points at 175 yards. Which if you breathe as a quarterback, you could probably get 100 yards in today's NFL. Literally, um, it's insane just what this defense is doing. And I'm going to give Houston some credit on the back end as we wrap up later on. Yeah, sure. But yeah, no, this defense is amazing. And I know we talked about usual suspects like you know Roquan, Queen, Matabike, uh, um, Hamilton, and all those guys. Like they all did that part and showed up like they would. Dude, Ronald Darby, yes, locking, like strapping dudes up and making amazing plays on the ball. Brandon Stevens continued to play at an All Pro level, and somehow he wasn't All Pro this year. Mm-hmm. Someone messed up there. Um, the secondary who was banged up was outstanding they didn't let anyone get beat the only big play houston had was with patrick clean in coverage with um was it nico or... no i think it was uh singletary on that wheel route yeah 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 yeah. and oh yeah patrick queen played some pretty good coverage cj Charles just put a perfect yeah, I mean, and he, and he... queen had him strapped like right you know he just strapped made a really good throw yeah and, and a really good catch by uh singletary so like what are you going to mm-hmm. do there so the defense just played a dang near perfect game in my mind and yeah. just absolutely smothered them and made their life miserable. And this attitude is so different from the Ravens defense of like the last couple of years. This feels like a Ray Lewis led defense. And I know a lot of comparisons with Roquan Smith and Ray Lewis and, you know, Kyle Hamilton, I'd read, I won't make those comparisons. I don't think you can really compare. You can't, not do that. You, you, you just can't do that. Let them <laughs> know, right. But their mentality of just going to make it violent and make people like hate playing us. That's something we haven't had in a long time. And mm-hmm. we didn't even have that in 2019. Like, that's something we not had in a very long time where people legit feared stepping foot in Baltimore and playing football at MC Bank Stadium. That's yep. back. Like, right now. This team's physical. They're violent. They want to hurt you. They have bad intentions. It's something I heard Jamie and Clowney, Cal Vandoy, and I think Roquan say, they don't mind playing the villain. I mm-hmm. like being the villain as Baltimore Ravens. That's, the, that's my favorite place to be. I, in the NFL where, you know, media is king and, like, you have all these great stories, I say screw those stories. Be the villain. Be the bad guy. Be the guy that, like, messes up it for everyone else. Let's look at the, take a 30,000-foot view. Look at the storylines going in this weekend real quick. You had um, a great Bills team going up against the Chiefs team, and that was, like, the matchup that everyone dubbed the next Brady and, you know, Manning, which, okay, sure, I guess. That's sort of just like the Josh Allen of my home, but, like, <laughs> That matchup's not a Brady. That matchup's not a Brady Manning matchup. If anything, uh, I think that's closer to like a Brady Roethlisberger than Brady Manning. But anyway, I digress. No, you're. That's absolutely right. That's that. <laughs> you're 100 percent right. That's exactly what it is. But yeah. Anyway, whatever. That's the matchup. Yeah, the Lions and you know the Bucks, and now you have the Lions and the 49ers going against each other. Lions are America's team. They haven't won anything. They have a chance. And you have the 49ers. You know. Brock Purdy is a great story about, you know, a guy that doesn't has, you know, great story, great defense, great team. Can Shanahan get over the hump? And uh, you have what, you know, oh, the Chiefs with, you know, Taylor Swift and Swift, the army coming for everyone. And Patrick yeah. Mahomes trying to crown himself as like the next. I mean, I guess they are a dynasty or are they going to be a di- they're close? They're on yeah. dynasty watch, whatever. Sure. And, and even, looking at, like, even just looking at our game, you know, like there were legitimately people in the media, Nick Wright, saying that. CJ Stroud was more trustable in the playoffs than Lamar Jackson. And yeah, that's yeah. Like CJ Stroud was going to come into the bank and get a win because Lamar Jackson can't win in the playoffs. Like the only two people I saw. Yeah. 
is that's that's Go ridiculous. Ahead. The only two people yeah. I saw say that was Nick Wright, clown, and um, uh, Coach JB from Last Chance U. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give Nick Wright more credit because he actually is a decent journalist, and yeah. you know he's done a lot in the media world. And Agreed. Coach JB has put a lot of people in better positions. But Coach GB is where I'm at right now, recording on a random podcast, sitting on his couch. Like, <laughs> I, no disrespect to the dude. He's done more for football than I have done for a lot of different things. I think he was a great character on Last Chance U, but come on now. Mm-hmm. Come on now. Like, you're going to say Lamar when, can't recover his – what a chill. The, the, like, the, clip, the clip that went viral that you just referenced where – he was talking about, you know, CJ Stroud is already a better quarter. And that, that was from months ago. That wasn't going into the season this weekend. I think that was from like that week was, three or four. Like, it was literally from the it was from the beginning of the season. He said CJ Stroud right now is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. And then he said he said Bernard Pollard told him that Lamar doesn't know how to read coverage. He doesn't know how to set protections. He doesn't know how to do any of that. Um, first of all, Ravens fans, especially those who are extremely online like myself, know that Bernard Pollard, for whatever reason, just hates the Ravens. And I think it probably has something to do with Harbaugh running him out of town because, you know, his attitude or whatever. But ever since he left Baltimore, he's had a vendetta against us. And like it certainly felt personal when it came to Lamar after Lamar won his first MVP. Anyway, yeah, J.B., I, I like JB. Yeah. I thought he was good on last chance. You, I also yeah. thought he was good in the media when he first like started to dip his toes in the media. I thought he was Yo, good. Because yeah, absolutely. He, he wasn't afraid to like not sugarcoat shit and just tell people how it was. But yeah, when, when I saw the Lamar slander from him, I was like, dude, why? Like, what is, what is the slander here? Like it's, I certainly don't think it's racially motivated because no, he, he's, you know, talking about CJ Stroud and he's talking about these other guys. Like I and also that, look at the quarterbacks he's worked with. Like exactly. Like, like 100%. Hold up. That's another good point. Look at the quarterbacks he's worked with. And you, you're going to tell me you put up with a dude like Malik for years who literally gave you hell as uh-huh. a coach. And you're going to say Lamar Jackson isn't smart, can't read coverages and is a, like a bad player. Like, what are we talking about? You literally coach a head case who's not even a fraction of good as Lamar. Doesn't love football as much as Lamar. And that's what you say about a dude who loves football is a great teammate, a humble dude, and like I don't get it. That's what that's what it is. It's, I'm not even anti JB. I like JB like you do. I yeah, just don't yeah. understand it. Like dude, that it, didn't it, make sense. It, it never it never made sense to me. I always thought the hate was weird. And especially like if it it's one thing if you just you know you come out and say like I don't like the style that he plays, you know, there are right. some things that he does, certain tendencies like that is one thing. And I can respect that. I, I'm not going to agree with it, but I can at least respect it with him. It was just like, he can't read a fucking coverage. He doesn't know how, what protection is. He doesn't like this, that, and the other thing. And I was just like, this, this doesn't even make what you're saying makes no sense. Right. So I just, I never for a second understood it. And like you said, for a guy who's done a ton for the game of football, just in general, for him to come out and say CJ Stroud after playing in the NFL for two, three weeks, whatever it was at the time is already better than the second unanimous MVP in the NFL's history. A guy who has won in the playoffs, a guy who has won his division now multiple times, yeah. a guy who is literally one of the winningest quarterbacks in the time frame that he's been in the league, if not the winningest, like for him to, for him to say that was just asinine to me, but yeah, anyway. I didn't get that. Anyway, point is, we are the villains in everyone's love story. Yes. The Taylor Swift reference right there. Don't even listen nice. to it. 
proud of that one. Um, <laughs> we're the we are the villains in everyone's story, and we I love it because that's the mentality I want our defense to have. I don't want them to make Kansas City's lives miserable. I don't want this game to be a shootout. I don't even care if this game's entertaining as long as we win. I, I, I'm going to give you the heads up my preview for this week. I don't think this, this game's high scoring for Kansas City. I, yeah, just, it's going to be, listen, they're going to, they're going to leave Baltimore when we let them out and they may not leave in one piece. This is just how violent this defense is. Look, and I love I, it. I love it. I, 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 look, I'm, I'm 100% with you. If, if the Ravens are going to be the bullies, the Ravens are going to be the bad guy. That is exactly where we belong. Not just the Ravens, but that feels like just the mantra of the city of Baltimore. The Ravens, especially when, you know, Ray and Ed were here and Suggs and Nada and before them, guys like Jared Johnson and Adelius Thomas, like those guys, that defense, that smash mouth, hard nosed, we don't like you and we don't care mentality felt like it just embodied the city of Baltimore. That's why I think people in the city gravitated so much to the Ravens when they did. And that's why the, the the tradition and the fandom runs so deep, just for that reason. Yeah, it feels like we're finally back to that. I Scott said it at, for really the entirety of last season, and I mean, we people in Baltimore have been talking about it for the last couple of years since Ray left. It felt like we were missing that, right? Yep. And we had it a little bit in 2019 when we got Marcus Peters because Marcus Peters he had that attitude. Yep. Right. So when he came here and he kind of brought that fieriness, it felt like, oh, wow, we've actually been missing this. Like we ha- we've we've had good defenses since Ray left, but it felt like we've been lacking dogs. Yeah. And now yeah. with Roquan, with Kyle Hamilton, with Patrick Queen, who has stepped into that role now with Justin Matabike, with Jadevian Clowney, we have dogs. We have yeah. guys that want to hit you hard and make you hurt. Yeah, it's. It's exactly what this team has needed. It's exactly what the city has needed. And you're right. We are, we are the villain and they, the guys on the field, they want that and they're embracing it. And it's perfect. Yep. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And like, I'm not going to pick on anyone for the old defense of the past, but you mentioned sure. like Marcus Peters. I think he was a good addition to kind of start that attitude mm-hmm. error type of situation we have going on right now. But you look at guys that we had in the past, like CJ Mosley, who I love and think is an amazing linebacker. He wasn't, mm-hmm. he wasn't bringing this mentality. Guys like Eric Weddle, great locker room guy, great defensive mm-hmm. mind, like great, great safety for us. Um, he wasn't bringing this mentality. I love Marlon Humphrey to death. He's one of my favorite Ravens. I Me think too. he's gonna have a. I think he's gonna be. I legit think he's gonna be a Raven for life. I think he's gonna mm-hmm. have a great career in media when he's done with the Ravens. Um, so like shout out Marlon Humphrey. I will never say anything bad about him. What am I? The only and I legit the only nitpicky knock I've ever had on him in his career is that he's too nice and seems too happy. Like. And people laughed at me for that. I was like, you're mad that a player on your team's happy? I'm like, I'm not mad that they happy in his personal life. Just that when he's on the field, I don't want him to have the attitude of like, dang. Now, I, I want mm-hmm. him to be violently pissed off that something went wrong and take yes. it out on the guy in front of him. That's, again, I'm a psychopath, but I grew up with psycho- watching psychopaths play football. So I need, <laughs> I, I, I need my defenders to be a little bit crazy and just violent. Like, I, that's especially especially talking about guys like Roquan, like there was, there was a tweet going around cause he was, uh, he was mic'd up for this game and the wire yeah. came out today. There was a tweet going around. Like, I like my, I like my linebackers to be a little bit mentally insane. And yeah. th- like you need that as look. Yeah. I, I grew up playing baseball. I played baseball my whole life. I was a catcher. I've always said that good catchers 
often have a little bit of a screw loose. And I'm speaking from a place of existence. I was a pretty decent catcher. I have a screw loose. Like yeah. it just, it comes with the territory. Linebacker is no different. You got to have a screw loose. You got to be willing to throw your head into a car crash basically. And yeah, that is literally Roquan Smith. Bro, so, Lars Taylor, who's considered one of the best linebackers of all time, is on record for talking about how he did coke and smoke crack and was yes. excited to smoke crack during games in a 60-minute interview. That's nuts. But, hey, he's the best, one of the best linebackers in NFL history. He numbers don't lie. <laughs> he, he won Super Bowls <laughs> in the Hall of Fame. So, like, you, you know but, what I mean? Sometimes yes, you see me a little bit crazy. I, I absolutely know what you mean. And going back to, like, guys of the previous regimes – I, I thought of this guy today because I was listening to Marlon Humphrey's podcast and he mentioned him as a coach. Um, honestly, I think the closest thing to like an actual dog that we had in the, in the linebacker room since Ray retired was Zach Orr. Yep. And his, his career, unfortunately, was cut short because of the neck injury that he had. But he's back as a linebacker's coach. And Marlon Humphrey was talking about how intense and how fiery he is in, in the, on the sideline, in the meeting rooms. And like, it's like that, that's just what you need, not only for a yep. linebacker, just for a defense and when your yeah. defense is playing like ours where they're smothering they are quick to the ball gang tackles not letting you beat them over top which we've done basically all season like that's just the mentality that you have to have a attitude yep. reflects leadership and like i said at the top it comes from the top down mike mcdonald yep. roquan smith those are the leaders yep. and yep. that's that that's the mentality that they they lead with which is fantastic yep um okay i think we can wrap up the Texans game. I hit everything pretty much that I wanted to talk about. Josh, you have anything else? Special teams got to get better. But Spe uh, yeah, special teams have to get better. Um, this is not a Justin Tucker thing, and I think Jordan Stout's a great punter, so this is not a knock on Jordan Stout. Mm -hmm. But you can't outkick your coverage like you did the first punt, or well, no, underkick the punt. It was underkick because of the win or something like that. Weather happens, but you got to kick better in the elements. Um, and you cannot, you cannot kick to the wrong direction, which led to that special teams touchdown. You're if you're told to kick it left, kick it left. Don't kick it in the center. Because everything's out yeah, of whack. Can't leave you it in the middle of the field. Like again, I love Jordan Stout. This is not a knock on him. This is just me being neurotic and be like, hey, this can't happen. So mm -hmm. we'll figure it out. Life goes on. Keep let's move on to the next no, game. No, you're ab you're absolutely right. And Tylen Wallace was inactive for this game, which I don't think it's a coincidence that we had a special teams blunder when Tylen Wallace wasn't on the field. Obviously, like you said, Jordan Stout left the left the kick in the middle of the field. And I mean he bombed that ball. Like he clearly outkicked his coverage. Right. So whether Tylen Wallace was on the field or not, I don't know if it would have made a difference. But Tylen Wallace has been a great gunner all year. Um, yes. Yeah. Warrior, I I will definitely feel a lot more comfortable if Tylen Wallace is on the field this week. But you're you're right. That's a good point. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, okay. Now let's move on to this week. Last week's in the past. We are on to the AFC Championship. Yep. The Kansas City Chiefs are coming to town. Taylor Swift, Jason Kelsey, and all. The Ravens are a three and a half point favorite over under sitting at 44 and a half. Um, the headlines coming into this game are pretty straightforward. It's Lamar. It's Patrick Mahomes. Winner represents the AFC in Vegas for Super Bowl 40 or excuse me, 58. It's the first AFC championship game in Baltimore since 1971. It's also the first in Ravens franchise history. Um, Mahomes is coming off his first road playoff win of his career. Lamar is coming off of his first home playoff win in his career. Um, and, Obviously, like I said, Taylor Swift is coming to town. We get to see the uh, fan, super fan matchup, celebrity super fan matchup of Taylor Swift and Stavros Halkius, which yep. everybody's waiting for. Yeah. Um, 
I, uh, I don't, I, like I said, I think that the headlines coming into this one, everything that's at stake is pretty straightforward. It's yeah. Lamar, it's Mahomes, winner goes to the Super Bowl. Um, we saw a little bit in their media availability this afternoon, Lamar talking about it. He said, uh, you know, obviously I don't like competing against Patrick Mahomes because the guy's so damn good. Um, but he also echoed that, you know, in order to be a champion, you got to beat champions. And yep. I love, I love that. I love hearing that from Lamar. I love the mentality. Um, that tells me like, Hey, it's not going to be easy. The Texans, obviously they weren't taking them lightly, but this isn't the Texans. This isn't, you know, any, this isn't anyone that we've seen this year. This is the reigning champs. This is the Kansas city chiefs. This is Patrick Mahomes. And if they are going to have a seat at the table and compete for a Lombardi and compete for a ring, you got to go through the best. And that's exactly the opportunity that they have on the table right now. So it sounds like from everything that I heard from Kyle Hamilton, from Lamar Jackson, from Roquan Smith, and from Coach Harbaugh today, that they are definitely treating this game like they should. It's, like I said, the reigning champs. Mm-hmm. Luckily, they're coming to our house. They got to come to the bank. And uh, it sounds like they're going to be ready for the opportunity as it, as it presents itself on Sunday. So that's what we're looking at. Um, Josh, before I get into both sides of the ball, both sidelines, Give me just your 30,000-foot thoughts heading into this matchup on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. This is the matchup you wanted to see if you're a football fan, um, Lamar versus Mahomes. I remember this was, this was the Manning-Brady comparison just three years ago. My how Something like four years ago. Yeah, my how we've forgotten how much, you know, they just had matched up against each other recently. Uh, this Chiefs team is amazing. They have a Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame quarterback, future Hall of Fame head coach, a future Hall of Fame tight end, and a future Hall of Fame defensive edge. Um, however, yeah. then they're really good. They're fighting their stride. They are doing everything they want to see a playoff team do, um, as they get better, um, and progress. They're doing everything. They're, they're definitely getting better right now and peaking at the right time. Um, mm-hmm. however, there is a, I don't know if it's a sense of arrogance that I'm coming to feeling from Chiefs camp or just a sense of entitlement. Maybe, I don't know. I don't want to give Patrick Mahomes trainer any bulletin board material. <laughs> um, because knowing him, he will find this 30 second clip of me saying like those things. It he'll, just does he'll feel like, seek out this podcast and he'll show it to Pat yeah. and be like, Hey, they, yeah. they're counting you out. I tell you, no, we're not counting him out at all. <laughs> Patrick Holmes is still really good at football and the best quarterback we've seen in a very long time. Yeah. Um, with all that being said, the Chiefs team, yeah, the Chiefs team is very beatable. Um, and honestly, I think this is a matchup nightmare for him defensively. They thrive off big plays and guys not making tackles. Um, they can't really orchestrate things in the run game super well. I mean, now they come with Pacheco, but they're not really a go like a, a go through you type of team. Like legit, the best way to beat the Ravens is just to beat the Ravens and pound it up the middle and take shots when you can and pick apart their defense. This yeah. team's not going to do that. This team's built off speed and misdirection a little bit and also getting to the outside. Um, the first offensive game, uh, especially in a running game and like the short swing pass games, that's not going to work for guys like Roquan Smith, Pastor Queen, and Kyle Hamilton, like getting up in your grill. Like that's just mm-hmm. not going to work. The only like they may have to go deep and beat, just try to get, get beat this team like that way. But this team seems very beatable. All we have to do is make tackles and stay back, pin our ears back, and get off the field. Um, this is a great Chiefs team, but this is also the most beatable Chiefs team that I've seen in a while. That's my thirty thousand foot view. I know we're going to talk into the details more. I'll give more of that coming up. But, uh, yeah, that's just my 30,000 for me. They're a great team, great quarterback. They should be feared. They deserve all the respect that they're getting. They're defending champions. 
very beatable, very beatable. So I, I, go into I, I absolutely 100% agree with you. They, I, I even said this on Twitter a little bit earlier uh, today. Patrick Mahomes, as long as he's on the field, as long as I see one five in red and white, I am never going to say they're not capable of winning any football game. I don't care if they're playing against the 2000 Ravens. I don't care if they're playing against the 85 bears. I don't care if they're playing against the fucking 2016 warriors. Like they, if they're playing against any of your best team in history, as long as one five is under center, they are in the game. And that is really the biggest area of concern that I have for the Ravens is because we haven't really seen a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes this season. Obviously we've played him, right? Like, yeah, we've played him what three or four times since Lamar has been a Raven. So yeah, three or four times in the last five years, I think. So, yeah. So it's, it's not like we're playing somebody that we've never played before. Right. But teams are different every year. Guys play differently every year. Like it's not Patrick Mahomes last year is not Patrick Mahomes this year. So that being said, this is, like you said, certainly the most beatable team that he's ever had around him. I've been saying to people that I've talked to this week, the scary thing about it is this is the worst team that Patrick Mahomes has ever been a part of, and he still has them in the AFC Championship. Yep. He has been a starter for the Chiefs for six seasons, and he's been to six straight AFC Championships. Like That's just how freaking good this guy is. And obviously at the beginning of his career, right, he had Tyreek Hill, he had Travis Kelsey, he had McCall Hardman. This year, it's a little bit different, right? His receivers are Rasheed Rice, who's a rookie, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Obviously, he's still got Travis Kelsey. But it it doesn't seem to matter with Mahomes. Whoever's around him, whoever is on the field, he just takes them to the AFC Championship. That's, that's what he does. So that all else equal, all else out of the question, in a vacuum, Patrick Mahomes is the biggest X factor potentially on the field on Sunday because whenever something breaks down, whenever something happens, whenever something negative occurs, he's good enough to make it irrelevant. Yeah. And I, I like you, I'm certainly never going to count him out. I don't want to give his trainer any bulletin board material, but he'll find it. Don't worry. (laughs) But flat out, it's just that that's what we're dealing with here. Like yeah. we are literally dealing with the best quarterback in his generation and yeah. arguably one of the greatest of all time. It's yeah. just, I don't even think that's debatable at this point. So anyway, with that said, we can go ahead and get into it. First, looking at the injuries, the Ravens knock on wood are looking okay from an injury standpoint. Marlon Humphrey returned to practice today. That is massive. Absolutely huge for this matchup. He was limited with that calf, but the fact that he was back on Wednesday tells me that things are trending towards him playing. Yep. Mark Andrews was another full participant in practice today on top of being a full participant in practice at the end of last week. According to Rap Sheet, they're expecting him to play. So it sounds like we're going to get 89 back, which is huge. Yep. Gus Edwards was dealing with a little bit of something uh, after the game on Saturday, but he wasn't even on the injury report, so that's good. Um, the only other one that I saw was Kevin Zeitler, um, and the Ravens listed him as non-injury related rest. So that's why he didn't practice on Wednesday. So it sounds like for the most part, the Ravens are going to be okay from an injury standpoint going into the game on the chief side, Isaiah Pacheco did not practice today. He's dealing with a sprained toe. I believe sounds like he's going to play. Sounds like they're not really concerned about it, but you know, mispractice on Wednesday, 
take that for what it is. The big one that everybody's talking about with the Chiefs is Joe Tooney. They're starting, I believe, left guard. There was a play on Sunday's matchup against the Bills where he like went out to make a block and kind of got popped and fell instantly. And they said it's just a sprained pec. Um, however, depending on the severity, it could be partially torn or close to torn, whatever. Pec injuries for, for an interior lineman is not good. And I heard right. AQ Shipley talking about it a little bit today. It's his inside pec, which is more valuable. I think it's I think he's the left guard, so it's his right side. Yeah. Anyway, it's his inside pec, which is more valuable to his position. Um, if he can't go, which it I don't know how optimistic they are, but I heard a couple of reporters talking about it, saying it would be very hard for him to overcome that injury and play on Sunday. If he can't go, that's a massive advantage for the Ravens because Michael Pierce, Justin Matabike, hell, Adafe Owe lining up inside, Broderick Washington, Travis Jones, opening up the middle of the offensive line for them to get pressure on Mahomes like that, that bodes well for us. So if Joe Tooney can't go, that's a huge thing to keep an eye on. Um, also, one of their starting safeties is dealing with a concussion. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike Edwards didn't practice today because he's still in concussion protocol. Also could potentially be noteworthy. But outside of that, the Chiefs are pretty healthy. Willie Gay was back practicing today. doesn't sound like they're worried about him playing, which is big for their defense. He's probably going to be the guy keeping an eye on Lamar for the most of the, the afternoon. Um, but it's... It's really just those two big ones, Mike Edwards and Joe Tooney uh, for the Chiefs to keep an eye on. Uh, okay, that's it for injuries. Now let's look at the matchups. Uh, the units on both sides of the football, let's go ahead and dive right into it. We'll start with Kansas City's offense versus the Ravens' defense. Kansas City's offense ranks 17th in the league in rush yards per game, averaging 109.3 yards on the ground. They're ninth in yards per rush, averaging 4.4 clip. Seventh in the league in pass yards per game, averaging 245 and a half. And they are 18th in the league in yards per pass, averaging seven on the nose. The Ravens rush defense, as we know, we've talked about 13th in the league in rush yards per game, averaging 105.4 given up. So about on pace with what the Chiefs are averaging offensively. Yeah. 23rd in the league in yards per rush. They're giving up the same amount per rush that the Chiefs are averaging on offense, 4.4. The Ravens passing defense, as we've talked about all year, has been very good. Fifth in the league in pass yards per game, averaging 191. And they are number one in the league in yards per pass, averaging 5.2 given up per pass. On the other side, Ravens offense versus Chiefs defense. Chiefs defense, going back to the whole, you know, Mahomes thing and this team compared to other teams. The one thing that I've said all year is scary about the Chiefs is the fact that in the early part of the season and even in the middle of part of the season when their offense was struggling, they were winning games because of the defense. This yep. is the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has ever had, despite the offensive yep. woes. Yep. This defense is very good, and I can't stress that enough. There are a lot of Ravens fans who maybe don't watch a ton of Chiefs games or haven't really paid attention. Um, this, this, this Chiefs defense is very good and should not be taken lightly. I can't stress that enough. Right. The Chiefs defense is averaging, or excuse me, ranking 18th, in rush yards per game given up. They're averaging 114.9 yards per game on the ground. 25th in yards per rush. So they're actually just behind the Ravens defense at 4.5 a clip. Their pass defense is where they make up for it. They are fourth in the league in pass yards per game allowed, averaging 177.6 given up. And they are number two 
right behind the Ravens in yards per pass, 5.3. The Ravens offense, number one in the league in rush yards per game, averaging 160.6 on the ground per game. Number three in yards per rush, averaging five a clip. Number 21 in pass yards per game, averaging 208.8. And number three in the league in yards per pass, 7.8 on average. Josh, after hearing that, Give me, go ahead and get it a, a little, a uh, little bit more hairy on on your thoughts. Go ahead and dive into it. Give me, just tell me what you, what's going on with you after. Yeah, here. yeah. Uh, I forget, I forgot to mention how good the Chiefs defense is. This Chiefs defense is very good, and they do mm-hmm. lock things down. Uh, especially when you get close to the red zone, they do lock things down pretty well. Um, yep. They are susceptible to running the ball though, and we are a running football team, so I like our chances with that. Um, and they are really good at. I think they're really good at getting to the edges, if I remember correctly, but they're susceptible to runs like up the middle. So I expect Gus Edwards to have a really big game. I hinted at this a little bit earlier with the Chiefs offense, kind of just looking at things from a you know a bigger view. Um, I even hinted at you a little bit earlier this week about some magic numbers that were floating through my mind. And they've kind of like been bogging kind of bogging in my head a little bit, just score-wise, in my mind. This is more because I was more concerned about their offense. Yeah, their offense versus our defense. I, I'm i going to be honest with you. I saw a tweet today. I want to make sure I get the right name. I even think I tweeted at the podcast. I think I, yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. So who was it? Was it um, Allison? It was, it was Allison, right? Yeah, Allison Waite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She says, like, she doesn't think the Chiefs are going to have Scott War higher than 20 points on Sunday. What do you guys think? Alice is kind of right on the nose of what I was thinking. I was thinking 14. Um, okay. earlier this year, now, I, I know I was thinking for I, 14 was the number stuck in my mind. So I'm thinking, okay, okay Mahomes is going to have a, like at least one or two orchestrated drives. So they're going to get touchdowns. It's Mahomes. I'm going to give him at least two scores. I don't see him getting 28 though. Like I, I don't see this team getting 28, like 2021 is what I'm thinking is a good defensive effort. It is up to, can our team race to 24 points, which is what I gave for the Bengals game. I thought, okay, maybe that's not enough. That's at 24, 28, and 34. So my brain was, if we go 24, we might win this game. If we go 28, I'm pretty confident winning this game. If we score over 31 points, 38, 34 points, we absolutely win this game. Like, we, we flat out win this game. The office can get 30-something points, we win this game. I'd say 34 to be safe, but I'm thinking 31-ish just, like, as a good base for Ravens winning game, we head to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I... And my, I was talking to my dad about this earlier. I see this game going a lot like that Tampa Bay, uh, Kansas City Super Bowl, where okay. Patrick Mahomes tried to do everything he could, and their defense just smothered him, and he could not get anything going. I think our okay. defense this year is better than that Bucks defense. I think we blitz better and do a lot of exotic stuff that takes him a while to figure out. Honestly, if we can pin tra- if we could just our defense can make tackles in open field, like make a tackle on Rice. Make sure Travis Kelsey doesn't kill you over the middle, and you scheme him and like have him like covered. Ravens should win this game, and they shouldn't. Kansas City shouldn't score more than 20, 21 points. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the red zone, just lock down the red zone so you can trade their sevens for threes. That's a huge win, huge win. So that's kind of what I'm thinking as far as matchup-wise. Uh, that comes to controlling the trenches in the offensive end, running the ball effectively. And Lamar, you may have to put on the case, but honestly, if things go the way I hope they do, just be efficient as you've always been and score and run when you need to, and you'll be fine. And just offense – I. They're all, our offense against their defense is interesting. Our receivers got to get open and make plays. Like, they just have to. And our tight ends got to keep producing it in the high level. Luckily, Andrews is back. I hope we don't try to force it to Andrews and get him going. Yeah, just let him naturally I, work back. 100% agree. Naturally work back to the progression. 
but just be efficient and run the ball well and just don't and limit turnovers and mistakes and special teams do your job and i think we win this game i i really do i think our defense is good enough to like not take them out completely but do just enough and like frustrate them just enough to where they won't score touchdowns like at will so that's just my quick thoughts. I know you're about to go to your keys of victory, but that's just kind of my control of the tempo with the line, run the ball very well, make tackles, stop Travis Kelsey from getting big plays, and you should be good to go. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with everything you said, and I think you'll you'll see in my keys of victory that I prepared that you and I are pretty much on the same page. Um, as far as magic numbers go, if we hold if we hold Cap, uh, Cap, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense to 21 or less points, I think we absolutely win the game. Yeah. Um, the number that was in my head was 24. Anything more than 24 that our defense gives up, I think it's going to make it uh, especially harder for us to win the game just because of, like you said, how good their defense is. Yeah. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but off the top of my head, I think there was only one time that the Ravens gave up more than 28 points this, in a game this year. Is that, that the was Browns? Cleveland it was yeah. the Cleveland loss. We gave up 33. Um, I'm just thinking in other losses that we had. What we about the Colts up, game? What was the Colts game? I think it was 22. I think 22-19 was the final score. I'm not 100% sure. but I, I think, yeah, I think that was the final score. Yeah. Um, but like the the game that we lost to Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, we only gave up 17 points, right? We yep. had we, we had given up 10 points in the first 45, 50 minutes of the game. Um, and then the, the, the Pittsburgh lost week 18, I don't even count that because it was in a monsoon and we were playing half of our starters, if that, and we still only gave up 17 points, but yeah. anyway, the Ravens have played a couple top defenses in the NFL, right? Obviously on Christmas day, we go to San Francisco, we play their defense and we put up 33. We play Miami's defense the following week. We put up 56. Like we've, we've played good defenses in the NFL this year and we've had success with them. So as far as Todd Munkin and the offensive game plan perspective, it's I'm looking at this defense. Like I'm looking at, you know, Miami's defense or San Francisco's defense or hell even Cleveland's defense, right? Like that, yep. that's just how you have to treat this game. And I know Cleveland's defense on the road was obviously different than they were at home, but Cleveland's defense in week four, whenever that was when we won 28 to nothing, I know, yep. I know it was DTR, not Deshaun, whatever, but you still put 28 points on a really good defense in their house. So yep. If I'm Todd Munkin, that's what I'm looking at for this game. Um, but all that to say, yes, if we if we hold the Chiefs to under 21 points, I think we have a very good shot at winning this game. Um, okay, my keys to victory. First one, I'm going to reiterate what I said last week. The bank has to show out again. Bank's yep. got to show up. I know, I know the ticket prices are astronomical for this game and certainly not what they were last week. Um, but that being said, if you are going to the game, or if you are thinking about going to the game and are in a position to actually attend, do it and prepare yourself because it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a dog fight all afternoon, all evening, all night. Like you said last week, Josh, go to mothers, go to pickles, hit the tailgates, hit the O lot. If you're yeah. going to, if you're going to the Jimmy's tailgate and you're going to see DJ diesel. Yeah. Make sure you warm Heads. up and you prepare yourself accordingly. Yes. Because yes. Headbang, eat all the food. Headbang. Yes. Get your mind right I've, to this game. I've seen Diesel live. I saw him at Camden Yards over the summer. How was that? It was awesome. <laughs> that being said, he's he'll, he'll get the vibes right. If, yeah. if if you guys are going to the Jimmy's tailgate and you're going to see Diesel, he's Shaq, Shaq will have you. It absolutely worth the money. Shaq will have you in the right set of mind before heading into the stadium. But even if you're not, you know, play some, you know, play some 
the Carter three era Lil Wayne at your tailgates. Play some, uh, play some old school TI. Play some Jay Z. Like whatever you got to do, get yourself in the right frame of mind going into this game. Yeah, and be fucking loud, just like yeah. you were last week. Do it again. Make the Chiefs rowdy. I know they're used to playing in loud environments, right? Arrowhead. Everybody talks about how loud that place gets. The bank has to be Arrowhead times ten. The bank yeah. has to show out and make their presence known once again. Be a part of the game. Make it a home field advantage. Same shit that I said last week. You got to do yep. it again. Yep. My second key to victory this week is limit the prote- limit the pressure and protect eight. Yep. Spagnolo loves to mix up pressure. He loves to do a lot of what Wink used to do, right? He like he loved to disguise it. He loved to send different schemes. He loved to, you know, make the quarterback think it was coming from somewhere and then bring it on the other side. Playing Houston last week makes me feel a little bit more confident that they'll be prepared to handle it this week because Houston threw a lot of shit at them that they weren't expecting, I feel like, right. especially from a pressure standpoint. So you got to keep Spagnolo's pressure packages in check. Also, you got to keep Lamar upright. The more Lamar has opportunities to sit in a clean pocket or even get out of the pocket and extend plays, the more he has chances to create success, right? We've seen it all year. It's just, it's just what he does, right? You give him time in the pocket and more often than not, he's going to make the right throw. Yep. Also, I was looking at some of the numbers as far as sacks go, right? Obviously the Ravens led the league in sacks this year on the defense. Kansas city was number two in sacks per game. Mm -hmm. They were averaging 3.1 per game. However, over the last three games, they're averaging 1.7 sacks. So I don't know what the difference is. Maybe they're just playing better teams. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That being said, if we protect Lamar, keep keep clean pockets, right? Ronnie Stanley had an incredible game last week. We didn't talk about did. that much. I'm happy. I'm really? happy you mentioned him. The O line did an amazing job last week. Fantastic game last week. Ronnie Stanley um, played out of his mind. Yep, and he's been having a streak of great games recently. So I know we ripped yeah. on him a little bit earlier and wanted him to expect more. He's playing at a high level right now. We have Extremely. no reason to complain about him or Morgan Moses. I know Lamar got on Stanley, but he fixed his issues with that. And yeah, Stanley's been playing like the Stanley that we know and love. So. 100%. 100%. They got to do it again. Yep. Stanley's got to play just like he did last week. Moses has to play like he did last week. Linderbaum, Zeitler, John Simpson, who's been balling all year. And even, like, I thought Macari had a really good game when he was in last week, too, doing their tackle rotation. Falele, I saw, got he struggled a little bit, but for the most part, I think he was okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, got to limit the pressure and got to protect eight. Yep. Third key to victory, run the damn football. Just straight up, run the damn ball. We talked about it in the unit matchups, right? Kansas City is 18th in the league in rush yards per game given up. They are averaging 115 yards on the ground per game. We are the number one rush offense in the NFL. I fully expect Spagnolo to sell out to stop the run and say, look, Lamar, if you're going to beat us, you're not going to do it with your legs. You're not going to do it on the backs of your running backs. You're going to have to pick us apart and attack our number two pass defense or number four pass defense, whatever it is. And obviously, I think Lamar is capable of that. Um, Legarius Sneed is very good. He tends to just take away at half of the field. He's a very good corner. But mm -hmm. that being said, we are certainly capable of running the football, right? We, we've, we've shown that we can do it against anybody. There's no reason if we can run on San Francisco, like we did a few weeks ago, there's no reason we shouldn't be able to run the football effectively against the chiefs. Yep. Um, looking at last week, just to, to pile on to my run the football point, looking at last week, Buffalo put up 182 total rush yards against Kansas city in the divisional round. Um, Kansas city held Josh Allen pass game in check. He threw, he only threw for 186 yards. Uh, but Josh Allen, I think he ran for like 80 something. 
or 60 something. He Josh Allen ran the ball really well. Um, so I think personally, if I'm Todd Munkin, I'm coming out of the gate and I'm trying to smack them in the mouth as hard as I can running the football. I just, I, I think you got to set the tone early and I think you got to do it in between the tackles and try to just bully yourself down the field. My next key to victory points, points, points. We, we hit on it with our magic numbers. Um, if we want to put ourselves in the best possible spot to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas city chiefs offense, I think we're going to have to be pushing 28, maybe even 30 points. If you go and look at the average points given up by the chiefs in games that they've lost, um, very rarely do they lose games where they don't give up more than 27 points. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to my point about Patrick Mahomes just being Patrick Mahomes. He's, he's the greatest quarterback in his generation. Um, one of the greatest of all time, and he's capable of making chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yep. So you're going to have to get points. I love Harbaugh being aggressive. I love going for it on fourth down last week. But if we're in a position where we're close to the goal line, maybe outside the five-yard line, and we're thinking about going for it, I wouldn't hate this being a game where we say, nope, let's take the points and put our defense back out on the field. Yep. Got to prioritize points. Um, like I said, the Ravens defense, number one in the NFL in points per game, averaging 16.1 points per game given up. Kansas City's number two. Kansas City's defense is averaging 17.1 points per game given up. Mike McDonald versus Andy Reid, Mike Mack. Time to earn it, baby. Like this is yep. Lamar versus Mahomes, Mike Mack versus Andy Reid. This is the matchup that we're waiting for. Yep. The one edge that I will say, looking at the numbers, I think the Ravens have in this regard. The Ravens offense is number two in points per game scored. We're averaging 28.7 points per game. The Chiefs offense this year is number 14, averaging 22.3. So there's a little bit of a discrepancy there. Um, All that being said, I saw an interesting statistic about the Chiefs defense. Uh, The Chiefs defense in the second half over the last six or seven weeks has been incredible. Week 14 against the Bills, they gave up six second half points. Week 15 against the Patriots, they gave up seven second half points. Week 16 against the Raiders, three. Week 17 against the Bengals, obviously Jake Browning laid Bengals, but the Bengals, zero. Week 18 against the Chargers, six. Wild card round against the Dolphins, zero second half points. And then last week cold. against the Bills, it was cold. It was cold. And then last week against the Bills, they only gave up seven in the second half. So to that point, Todd Munkin, Whatever they throw at you in the first half, you got to be ready for second half adjustments and you got to make some yourself because we're going to need anything. I I don't think we're going to survive only scoring seven points or less in the second half this game. I just don't. No, no, not at all. Got two more here. Create extra opportunities and capitalize. Patrick Mahomes, for as good as he is, is not immune to turning the ball over. We've seen him throw interceptions. We've seen guys on the Kansas City offense fumble, whatever the case may be, drop passes. If they give us extra opportunities in this game, first of all, we have to create them. You have to scheme up something to where you get a strip sack or a pick or something. Give yourself an extra opportunity at least once. Um, but also, if they give you one, you got you to gotta take it and you got to make it hurt. Kansas City's offense is tied for 26th in turnover margin per game. So that tells me there's going to be an opportunity at least once or twice in this game to get one. And if there is, you got you got to take it. Yep. Josh Allen fumbled last week, right? Looking at the Bills game. Josh, he he fumbled. Kansas City had an opportunity to fall on it, and they didn't. Right. If, if something like that happens, whether it's on our side, like 
we can't self-inflict wounds. We can't give them extra opportunities. And on the other side, like I said, if they give us some, we got to take it. Uh, McCall Hardman last week also had two fumbles, one of which went through the back of the end zone. And the only yeah. reason, the only reason the touchback didn't hurt him was because Tyler Bass missed the kick, right? Yep. So turn them over and make it hurt. <clears throat> That's all I got on that one. And then my last key to victory, kind of touched on this one already, but I'll reiterate it. Keep the rabbit in Patrick Mahomes' hat. You can't let him pull out any funky shit. You can't let him do that thing where he scrambles around and runs sideline to sideline and then hits Travis Kelsey 40 yards down the field out of nowhere with Eric Weddle jumping mid-play. I'm yeah. definitely still not hurt over that play for sure. Um, yep. <laughs> you, just, you just flat out, you can't let him be Houdini. You can't let him be the magician. You can't let him be the magic man. You, you got he- you to gotta hem him in. You're, you're not going to stop him. You can only hope to contain him, right? But mm-hmm. you have to do everything you can to limit his uh, playmaking ability, I'll say. So those are my keys to victory. Josh, yep. give me your thoughts. Yeah, I agree with all that. I agree with all that. I'm going to call off the defense real quick or shout out the defense or just give them the challenge. Listen, you want to be the villain? Be the villain. Hit these guys hard. Hit Pat within the line of, within the line of reason because you know about this ref crew that's coming in. And yeah. Listen, I'm not loving this one. Like the stat, I'm using. Oh, maybe the rest aren't out the screws. No, this doesn't look doesn't look great. This the numbers this are crew, are definitely damning for sure. What's his name? Sean Smith or something like that. Sean Smith. Yeah. Yeah, that dude might be enemy number one by the time this podcast comes out next week. That's hey, got it. Got to take it out of their hands. You got to make it we, close. We ha- ex- you're exactly right. We got to take it out of their hands. We can't make it close. So yes, you are correct on that. So defense, hit these guys hard and make their lives miserable. Like. Hit Kelsey, hit Mahomes. I need Brittany and uh, Taylor to have teardrops in their guitars by the end of this one because I need their lives to be miserable because they play three defense. Like, make it to over. Hopefully, Ravens we pissed where... off Jackson so much where he's throwing water bottles, water bottles again. Exactly. I don't even think he's even back in the stadium, dude. I haven't seen that kid at the <laughs> in a long time. But like, yeah, make their lives miserable. Put them in a metaphorical body bag and just make it rough for them. Like. They, if they're leaving Baltimore, they're leaving the ice packs because this is like they need to be sore, hurt, or whatever coming into after this game. So defense, make your eyes visible. Offense, just please execute and don't cause turnovers and just play ball because we know you guys can ball. Play ball, make adjustments, and just limit the turnovers. I think we got this. Um, I don't really have a whole lot more to add about this game. Uh, I'm just ready for this game to, to start. I'm so amped up for it. Bank has to be loud and rocking. Bank has to be loud and rocking. Bank's got to be on fire, man. The the, yeah. the Ravens announced the legends of the game are going to be Ed Reed and Ray Lewis. So yeah, I've heard of them. Definitely is that good? Yeah. Um, also going to have in the building Jonathan Ogden as the honorary captain. They're going to have Anquan Bolden in the building. Dennis Pitt is going to be there. I think Todd Heap as well. I saw him on yep. the on the list. Yep. Uh, Matt Stover will be there. Like yep. they are they are pulling out all the stops for this one. They are they are trying to manufacture. A ridiculous environment. Oh, and also just a little cherry on top. T Pain is the halftime performance, which so yeah, I love. I'm a huge T Pain guy. If that doesn't love put asses T-Pain. in the seats, I don't know what will. Listen, you have your pregame shack at the tail goat. You got your halftime show with T Pain. You have every Ravens legend known to man coming to town, except Bernard Pollard apparently. And uh, yeah, it, this is the biggest thing that happened in Baltimore in a very long time. A yes. very very long time. Probably the biggest thing happened in Baltimore history since the national anthem was written. Yeah, probably. Like, yeah. And uh, we got to stand tall. Again, things may get a little bit wonky, but keep the faith, keep the hope. 
get your purple camo pants out if you want to. Um, and let's keep it. Let's get it rolling. I'm ready for it. Hey, it, to to that point about things may look wonky at times. Like uh, like Todd Munkin said to uh, to what's his name, the guy on Twitter, Trippy Kicka, the guy who's always talking yeah, to them. Yeah, yeah. Thank God we play sixty minutes, not thirty. Just keep that Amen in mind. That. It's it's a long fight. It's gonna be a dog fight. If you're out there, get out there early. Make some noise. Bring the uh, bring the noise. Don't be a jerk. Be responsible, of course. Right, but right, right. Make sure I don't need anyone stands in the building. Know that yeah. you're there. Don't make any weird threats to Taylor. Like I, I mean, yeah, I want yeah, to. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we listen. I may not like her music, but she's chill. Don't, don't, don't do, don't be weird. Like, listen, <laughs> yeah, definitely don't, don't, don't do that. Don't be weird. <laughs> um. All right, Josh. I think we can put a wrap on episode eighty-nine. Um. Thank you, brother, as always, for joining me. Um. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully, like last week, we'll root for a Ravens win. Everybody prayer circles that Sean Smith doesn't take it out of our hands. Listen, um, I will leave those joints <laughs> if we need to. <laughs> I will leave those joints if we need to. Man. Yeah, it, it's look, we've gotten this far. Obviously, we have one of the best teams that we've seen um, as Ravens fans. It's it, this is the matchup that everybody wanted. It's Lamar. Right. It's Pat. It's John Harbaugh, Andy Reid for a shot at the title. Yep. So if there was any time to pull out the stops and go get it, this is it. Yep. Job's not done. Let's finish. Let's finish. Let's have one step closer this week. Job's not done. Yep. though. Want to know this week. That's all we're trying to do. Yep. All right, man. I think we can put a bow on it. Episode 89 in the books. Appreciate you as always, Josh. Until next time, let's pray that next week, this time we're celebrating a Ravens win and we're on to the Super Bowl. All right, y'all. Peace. All right, all right, all right. Thank you, Josh, as always. Thank you to everybody who's listening. A special thanks to everybody who's gotten to this point in the episode. Last order of business, as always, as we do every week, NFL best bets for the conference championship round. Two games, four teams. Ravens versus Chiefs at 3 o'clock on Sunday. Niners versus Lions, the night game, Sunday night. I'm going to start with the Ravens game. Now, you all know me. You all know I don't love to bet on the Ravens or touch Ravens games. Um so I tried to stay away from the Ravens, but I do think that there's uh, some value to be had and some good plays in this one. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. Starting off, Chiefs plus three and a half. Ravens fans, I know, believe me, I'm looking at this from an unbiased standpoint. When it comes to betting, money is green any way you look at it, no matter who you're a fan of. Um, that being said, it, Mahomes is a dog in his career. I don't know the number off the top of my head. I don't have it written down, but it's astronomical. Mahomes in the playoffs. He's only been an underdog a handful of times. Uh, Mahomes straight up in the playoffs has only lost to two guys, Tom Brady and Joe Burrow. I definitely think the Ravens can win this game. I think Lamar is absolutely capable of winning this game. Definitely not saying that. What I'm saying is I think this game's going to be close. I think the Ravens can win, but I do think the Chiefs can keep it close. That's all I'm saying. Patrick Mahomes as a dog. Three and a half. Not really much else needs to go into it. My next pick. Heavy on the props market this week. And next week, obviously. Excuse me, two weeks from now. Next pick. Justice Hill. Over 13 and a half receiving yards. The Chiefs pass defense is very good, as I outlined with Josh earlier in the episode. However, I do think that 
Hill will have some opportunities. This is a low number. This realistically could be gotten in one or two catches. Um, I think the Chiefs, like last week, they saw with the Texans bringing pressure. They were they were successful in the first half. I think the Chiefs are absolutely going to get pressure. Justice Hill is the pass protection back. I think Lamar is going to be forced to get the ball out quicker than he would like to at some points. Um, so I think 13 and a half is absolutely very live for Justin Justice Hill's receiving total. Uh, sticking in the same realm, Isaiah Pacheco's receiving total is at 15 and a half. I'm going to take the over on that as well. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to try, especially to stretch the Ravens defense horizontally. I think they're going to try and go sideline to sideline, get them spread out to ultimately open up the middle of the field in the second half of the game. Um, Tooney may also be out. So if that's the case, then I think Mahomes, like Lamar, is going to have to get the ball out quick, just how it's going to go. Um, so Isaiah Pacheco, again, 15 and a half. Realistically, that could be one play or two. Um, so anyway, I like the number here. Uh, you could also take a look at Clyde Edwards Alaire's receiving yards. I know he's gotten a couple catches over the last few weeks. I don't know what his number is. I don't have it written down here. But given that Pacheco is probably going to get the bulk of the opportunities, uh, I like him at only 15 and a half. I also like Isaiah Pacheco anytime touchdown score at plus 135. We've been talking about the Ravens run game, Ravens run defense all year, it feels like. Um, Josh and I have been pretty big uh, proponents in the fact that the Ravens run defense is maybe not as good as a lot of people think. Um, and I also think this is just incredible value. I mean, the starting running back against a team who is 24th or 25th in the league in yards per carry, you're getting him a plus 135. I think this is a no brainer. So Isaiah Pacheco, anytime touchdown score, plus 135. This next one is a flyer. And by flyer, I mean real flyer. Patrick Mahomes, anytime touchdown score, a plus 600. Um, now, hear me out. Patrick Mahomes runs a decent amount, but it feels like for whatever reason, in primetime games and in big games, i.e. the playoffs, he does it a little bit more. He's not afraid to tuck it and run. And I think, personally, that the Ravens are going to be so focused on trying to stop Travis Kelsey, stop Rasheed Rice, stop Isaiah Pacheco in the past game, that they're not going to dedicate one of their linebackers to spying him every play. And if that happens down near the goal line, maybe he gets loose. Or, I mean, we we know the Chiefs. We know they do a lot of fuck shit when it comes to the goal line. Maybe Mahomes rolls out. Maybe Jarek McKinnon throws him one. I don't know. Maybe the, all I'm saying is plus 600 for a guy that likes to scoot in big games like this. I like the value. So maybe not a bad idea to, to throw a flyer on old Patty Mahomes scrambling and getting the end zone. I also like his over uh, on rush yards as well, 25 and a half for the same reasons. That's all I got on the Ravens game. Niners-Lions. I'm taking the over 50 and a half here. It is a big total. Um, the total was the same for the 49ers-Packers game last week, which obviously did go under. However, the way I'm looking at this is kind of similar to how I looked at last week in, in regards to the Niners and Packers total. Um, but the difference is I think Jared Goff is playing at a higher level than Jordan Love. And that's not to discredit Jordan Love. He's obviously been playing very well. But Jared Goff, playoff experience, Super Bowl experience. Lions offense, they are very good running the ball. But Jared Goff at times this year has been incredible through the air. Now, I know the whole discussion about playing outdoors, playing away from Detroit, whatever you want to say. I think that Detroit is going to be able to move the ball on San Francisco. I'm a little bit afraid of the looming potential of San Francisco just beating the dog shit out of them, which is why 
if I were to pick a side, I'd lean to taking the points with the Lions. However, that just feels way too obvious. So I'm going to take the over here. Both offenses can score, like I said, with the Lions, the San Francisco, the 49ers. Obviously, we know they could score. They could put up 30 before you even blink. Um, and on the defensive side for both teams, the weak point is the secondary. So I think Brock Purdy's going to throw the ball a bunch. I think Jared Goff's going to throw the ball a bunch. Both teams have pretty good receivers. Whether Debo's going to play or not still remains in question. However, uh, I like the over 15 and a half here. Also, I think the weather's going to be a little bit better in Santa Clara this weekend as well. My next pick goes hand in hand with the points that I just made. Brock Purdy, over 29 and a half pass attempts. The Lions defense is top five against the run. The secondary is bottom five against the pass. Pretty self-explanatory. In games like this, Brock Purdy is averaging 31 pass uh, attempts per game. Sitting at 29 and a half, I think he's definitely going to throw the ball at least 30 times. I like that. Honestly, I think that's my favorite play of the week. My next one, this is a bit of a long shot. Um, I didn't want to focus on Amon Ross St. Brown or Sam Laporta. I'm staying away from Sam Laporta this weekend specifically because of the matchup that he's got. The San Francisco linebackers, obviously, they're incredible. Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner, they're really freaking good. So I'm staying away from Sam Laporta. Some people I've seen really like his overs. I think he's sitting at like 48 and a half or something. If you like that, I'm not going to tell you not to do it, but I'm just staying away from it for that reason. Josh Reynolds, over 36 and a half. I'm going to take that. Um, like I said, the Niners secondary is their weak point on defense, and I use that term loosely. I personally think they're going to spend a ton of time focusing on Amon Ross St. Brown. I think Steve Wilkes is going to shell out to make sure that 14 doesn't beat them. And in turn, I think that's going to open up a lot of opportunities for Reynolds. Ambry Thomas, the corner for San Francisco, got exposed last week multiple times. So I think this is a really good opportunity for Josh Reynolds to get going. And Jared Goff has proven that he likes to throw to him as well. Had a touchdown last week. I don't know what his number is to score this week, but I honestly don't hate taking a flyer on it. But anyway, I like Josh Reynolds over 36 and a half yards uh, receiving. I think this could potentially be achieved or pretty close by halftime, to be honest with you. Uh, my last pick for this game, I love this one as well. George Kittle over four and a half receptions. The Lions secondary, like I said, bottom five in the league against the pass. And the Lions linebackers, they're good. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't think they're that good. Um Certainly not in coverage. Jack Campbell, good young player, but young and has struggled at times this year. Malcolm Rodrigo, you know, good player again. Derek Barnes, good player. But George Kittle is a top three or four tenant in the league. If Debo's out, especially, Brock Purdy's going to look for somebody to step up. And I think the Lions, kind of like the Niners are going to do with Amon Ross St. Brown, in my opinion, I think the Lions are going to focus a ton on Brandon Ayuk. Also, looking at last week, Kate Otten, who is nowhere near the same type of receiving threat that George Kittle is, had five catches for 65 yards and a touchdown. So I think they're going to try and get Kittle involved, and I think they're going to do it early. So really like that play as well. George Kittle over four and a half receptions. Uh, those are my best bets. I will probably have more come Sunday. I'll make sure the intern gets those out around probably like noon or maybe one. So it gives you guys uh, some time before the game start to go ahead and tail if you feel like it or fade, uh, you know, completely up to you. Um, but anyway, best of luck. Happy betting. Bet responsibly. Um, if you're a Ravens fan, go Ravens. Uh, and if not, enjoy the weekend. Peace. I'm in the UK.
Drop my eye, pull me closer, and never.